I'm Amy, and you're listening to the Creativity Matters Podcast. Today on the Creativity Matters Podcast, keeping up a fictitious quest to keep up. Here we go. You're listening to the CMP, a Creativity Matters Podcast. Stories of creative journey and a reminder that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Creativity Matters Podcast. I'm Amy, and this is episode... 453 keeping up another week another week i was all ready to record this last week and it has been another week and i can't explain it but keeping up keeping up with the joneses really you know the joneses you know right the joneses it's one of those expressions and it's been in my head over and over and over again as i tried to find my way here in recent weeks but I kept pushing it aside. I was busy filling in small circles each morning, little bits of aimless doodling, echoing of lines, filling of space, the magic of certain inks that show more than one color as the lines go down, line after line after line. Futuristic, fantastical, abstract, a landscape, a monster, is that a bird? Little bits of ink each day with no goal, no plan, very small size. They're not going to take over the world, a doodle a day. Hello, everyone. It's October. It's autumn. It's hard to sort out days and years. The pandemic is like some glacier planted in the way of time. It's a pillar in the middle of the road that we have to consciously peer around to see what was before and what was after. This pillar plays games with all attempts at counting. A year that was long in living and yet somehow a black hole of time in the stretch of years, in the sprawl of memory. I think something really simple like, when did I cut my hair? Now, I know exactly when I cut my hair, but when I try to think, how long ago was that? I just, it all falls apart. A lot of people have hair stories because of the pandemic. But I stopped cutting my hair before there ever was a pandemic. I stopped cutting my hair about six months before I started the 50 Before 50 project. So six months before I turned 49. So I was 48. So winter of 2019, which makes it almost three years. But every time I try and sort that out, the pandemic gets in the way. Does that make it two years? Does that make it three years? Four? What? What year exactly was that? When I sit down, I can figure it out, thankfully. But I mean, it shouldn't feel like a Mensa puzzle to answer that question. Take this many toothpicks and connect them to make this shape without crossing this and make sure it touches this corner and that. Really, really always in the abstract, the numbers related to time in recent years seem to get messed up and messy. How to position time with the many months of altered pandemic reality that sits there right in the middle of our most recent past. The numbers shouldn't matter. It doesn't really matter how long it's been. But I think we cling to whatever holds and gaps and crevices and little outgrowths that we can find in the side of whatever mountain this is we are climbing. We look back and we want to tally things up. 
I did this this many times, or it's been this many months since I did that. I filled this many pages. I tried this many things. I did this this many times in a row. It has been so long since I did this or that. I'm so glad to now be doing this or that again. The books I am reading have sunk their claws into me in ways that I can't even fully sort out. I am in book nine, so I still have a long way to go. I think everything right now is colored partly by my immersion in these books. My love of the main character in these Hobb books, this cast of characters, my sense of connection to the main character, that's the one that always surprises me why and how I feel connected, and yet I do. And then I realized that probably a lot of the people who read these books feel exactly the same way, feel this sense of connection, feel this sense of yearning and wistfulness for something, this sense of poignancy, and yes, this sense of being pulled along in the ways that he is pulled along. It's masterful. I often set up a prompt to do a Venn diagram. And I often think of that in terms of how I fit into the world or into the world of creative people or the world of people at large, the world of fountain pen users or illustrated journalers or people who read graphic novels or people who sometimes quilt or sometimes knit or sometimes crochet or sometimes sew or play the ukulele, the world of podcasters or writers or parents or 50-somethings, the world of thinking beings, sentient beings. But I always fail. My attempts to construct Venn diagrams are always foiled. They are riddled with strife. I always fail. It's very hard. It's harder than it seems. But I think I always fail in part because I am always a little point somehow on the outside. Or else somehow I need to occupy a little space in a bunch of circles and can't sort out how that diagram works. Venn diagrams are more difficult than they seem. People who like chocolate ice cream, people who like vanilla ice cream, people who like both. It's pretty clear. People who like strawberry, people who like chocolate and strawberry, or strawberry and vanilla, or all three. People who don't like ice cream, and on and on and on. People who like their ice cream in a cone or in a bowl, a sugar cone or a waffle cone, a chocolate covered cone, and on and on and on. People who like soft serve, people who prefer theirs firm. A constant renegotiation of circles and spaces and overlaps. Overlaps. We're so often looking for the overlaps, aren't we? Points of connection? The maybe? Maybe? Maybe what? Maybe someone will see me. Maybe someone will hear me. Maybe someone will understand. Maybe someone will like what I do. Maybe someone will want to get to know me. Maybe someone will be this or that. Maybe we more than an occasional thumbs up, overlaps. We want overlaps, but we don't exactly want mirrors. Bits of resonance, yes, but not too close. We're each our own circles. We need our own paths. Have you done this? You think, okay, I'll do this challenge. These people all like to make this kind of art, which I like to make, or I want to like to make, or I want to learn, or I want to practice or I want to try. So this will be a good opportunity to do my art and get my practice, do my learning, and meet some like-minded souls. And you start doing what you think is the nuts and bolts of the challenge. 
and you're excited at the idea. You are happy to be stepping up, showing up, joining in, waving a colorful kerchief in the wind. You are proud of yourself for looking the challenge in the eye and saying, okay, I'm going to do this. I am doing this. Day one, I'm here. Day two, I'm doing this. Day three, this is awesome. You're happily doing you, you doing you, whatever the challenge is. And yet suddenly you start to become aware that everyone else is doing more or something different or using a different tool or focusing on new tools. They have shiny new things. They're caught up in the challenge in a very different way. And there you are waving your kerchief proudly, loving what you're doing, but somehow still not finding a way in. So next time, maybe you buy that tool. You plan ahead. You think, I'm going to do it again. I still think these are my people. I'm going to do it again. I still think this is my thing. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to go ahead and get the right things this time because that will make all the difference. You think you know why you didn't quite fit last time. You buy that sketchbook or fancy paper or expensive brand of this or that. You scale up or down thinking that this time you'll have found the thread, the glistening thread that you can follow that will lead you into the mix in a new way. Day one, day two, day three, everything has changed again. Did you miss the memo? Were you not on the list? Maybe it's like wearing last year's styles. Now, I really wouldn't know. This is just an analogy, but maybe it's like wearing last year's styles. You see something, you love something, everybody's doing it. So you add it to your wardrobe in the off season and you're all excited and you start wearing it to find that, to find that everyone else has moved on. They have something new. So maybe you've done that, tried to join in tried to join in something but didn't quite find your footing, started out and realized that everyone was using a different language or a different set of signs or a different aesthetic. And even though you want to do your own thing, well, you know, the need to feel accepted, to find a home, to find support and kindred waves of seeing and thinking and creating, it's very real. People want to claim to be a part of something It is very real. Maybe you haven't done that. Maybe not exactly like that. It's all hypothetical. This isn't exactly my story either. This is one of those composite tales, this keeping up with the Joneses. But maybe you have worked steadily and with passion on a project, and yet you work in small spaces or small amounts of time, small windows of time, whatever the variables might be. You are proud. You love what you do. It brings you balance. You have said things like art saves me or art keeps me sane or art keeps me balanced or whatever it might be. We all have a kind of way we talk about it. But every corner you turn, others are doing more, making more, claiming more, filling more, using different colors, using bigger palettes, using longer brushes, extolling the virtues of painting a hundred rather than one, drawing 300 rather than 30, filling dozens of books rather than one, writing a set of notes that take 40 pages rather than two. I can't keep up with the Joneses. Maybe you can't either. I don't like the special club aspect of it anyway. 
And yet, do we then become a club of people who don't keep up with the Joneses or don't want to or don't believe in the Joneses? I don't know. So the special clubs, they're everywhere. Implicit or not, they are everywhere. Every time you claim yourself a part of this or that tribe as a way of extolling your identity, part of that special club. Maybe it's sour grapes. I don't have the time, money, freedom, any of it to do some of what it would take to even begin to play the game. I've never been here or there. I probably never will be again. I can probably come up with the number of years it's been since I was anywhere. It's not a good game anyway, though. It is not a good game. I never played the game. I've always been the dot on the outside. I sometimes think I can make the anti-special club And yet still, again, it's kind of all the same. I've always been the dot on the outside, but I've always seen the Joneses there ahead of me. Somehow, not making total sense to me why it works, why whatever they are doing works. It always seems random to me and unfair, but there they are, the Joneses. And the rules are always shifting. It's a fickle landscape. It's a mind trap to try and catch up and keep up. I've always taken the march to the beat of a different drummer line, literally, I guess. Even when I don't want to, I always seem to be on the wrong path, not quite playing the right melody line, maybe using the right chords, but somehow off just enough to be discordant. Maybe right place, wrong time. Maybe it means you picked the wrong challenge. You gave it a lot of thought and you decided to do something only to find everyone had gravitated somewhere else. Or maybe you decided to focus on a medium and found everyone else had moved on. It doesn't mean you can't still focus on the medium. Shaping what we do because of what we perceive the Joneses are doing can be a devastating, a disastrous trap. Disastrous in ways that are subtle. Do you make excuses for your paper? I hope not. I hope not. Doesn't mean you have to like your paper. But do you make excuses for your paper? Do you feel the need to justify using composition books? I hope not. That doesn't mean you can't like specific things or want better things or different things or things that you've seen the Joneses are using. But like what you use and want what you want for your own reasons. And if you need to justify it again and again and again why you like what you like and why you're not doing something else, then maybe you're caught up in a story that is holding you back. It takes a lot of energy to constantly be worrying about what somebody thinks and to constantly have to justify why you use what you use or why you like it. You can say what you use and claim what you use without having to justify it. It is your story. It is your art, your time, your path. Today isn't about the 30 days of ink challenge. That was a good month. I really enjoyed what I did. And I want to talk separately about that, specifically about the way I used time and its impact on me. But I have a whole bunch of feelings related to all of that, tucking them all away in a closet somewhere. No, there are lots of little things there. So I will talk about that separately. It was a really good realignment of a few minutes. But I think my sense is that I never managed to keep up with the Joneses and I never will be able to. I sometimes wonder who they are and I have the strong sense that 
the Joneses are always trying to keep up with the Joneses. That it's this domino thing. Everyone's always trying to keep up and catch up to someone else that they perceive to be the Joneses. So in these years, creatively, I've accepted that I'm just doing my thing in my journal. That's pretty much all I do now. And sometimes I worry. I'm not spiraling more and more and more and bigger and bigger and bigger. Instead, I'm shrinking down more and more and more to this really finite thing, this singular thing that I do. It's a very strange sensation. Having been here for many years, it's a strange sensation to now really be so targeted. I'm doing my own thing and no one really cares. No one really should. It's a journal and it's a solo thing. And yes, I share prompts. I do go ahead and put them up. It is a way of saying to myself, yes, okay, I will continue to do this. There are lots of things I continue to do every week. I post certain things every week on certain days. We each, we each have our things. So I'm doing my own thing, but even so, social media tells me over and over that I'm not keeping up, that the Joneses have special things and lots of friends and support that somehow always goes along with the special things. The Joneses are winning what they're winning. I don't know what the game is. I don't know what the challenges or the rules or the dates. I just don't know. But every time I open social media, I am bombarded by all the cool other things people are doing. And I realize that the Joneses have moved on. Or if they are still in the same space, they are doing it very differently. And here I am happily curled up in my cozy little space. What I thought was a just right shell for me. Isn't there an Eric Carl book about the hermit crab? Just right shell for me. Challenge enough, challenging enough, comforting enough, pretty enough. Doable, fittable, meaningful, mindful, all the things that matter to me here in my one little singular solo moment in time. My little dot on the outside of all the diagrams. I could be content in the cozy little mind space. But I fear for a lonely future. I fear for the challenges that I smell in the distance, the things that are coming, that are just around the bend, the things in the distance that I can't yet see. This is an anxiety I have never known and that has Bring forth, full size, a dragon of terrible proportions. So with all that unknown in the distance that is really, really eating, eating and eating and eating at me, I have to look because I'm still looking for the overlaps, for the other flags, for those people. I have to scroll because I know that somewhere there might be someone else waving a little flag too. Yet what we see mostly when we open up our apps are signs that make us feel like we are not keeping up. Like we are always just a bit on the wrong side, off the path. We missed the memo. We didn't get the message. Someone forgot to include us in that discussion. Everyone else knew to wear purple on that day. Everyone else knew to wear their pajamas. Everyone else knew that this or that was no longer in vogue. If we don't anchor ourselves in what we believe and know about our own creative threads, it is easy to be swept away. And in being swept away, you might either think, I can't ever do that, or my work doesn't matter, or I'm not ever going to be able to do that, or I'll never be like that set of artists or that group, or my art isn't valid, or maybe I'm not really an artist. 
you might be swept away. You might lose sight of your own thread, your own core, or you might get caught up trying to find the pattern, trying to grab at this or that and shift and change, always grasping at something just out of reach that you think will be the answer, the key. But how will you know? How will you ever know if you find it? Because the Joneses are always moving on. How will you ever know if you find it? What will the magic key be? Are you suddenly going to hold it and think, ah, who do you want to be? And who really are the Joneses? If scrolling social media makes you think you need to sing or dance or shift to always making videos or always doing time lapse or always knowing the right song, the right song to pair with what you're doing, or always telling stories, or always claiming your space in someone else's special club, or buying new things every week, or only showing finished work, or only feeling valid if you can claim big numbers. Do you even know the people who show up in your feed? Do you stop to nurture connections and give back? Realize the tenuous nature of the connections, these two-way streets. If you scroll and feel anxious or discouraged, I hope that you just shut it off, that you take a walk. Play your mindless game on your phone if you want. I'm all for that. Open up your book, read for a little bit. Take five minutes, make a list, draw a circle or a flower or a coffee cup or your dog or cat or potted plant or the couch. I'm working in a really big book these days. It's a really big book. And some of you are now also working in the same really big book. We'll never be confused again about A3 versus A4 versus A5. We now understand. I now understand. Some of you are using it and you'll feel it differently. You'll feel it in your own way and you'll probably feel it way faster than me. That's okay. I have to keep telling myself though that that's okay because I don't want to race. I don't want to race with anybody. I don't want to race. I don't want to always be trying to figure out what everybody else is doing or not feeling good enough about my own stuff because of whatever size it is or however many pages I did or didn't fill or how old the tools I'm using are. I'm not trying to keep up. I don't need to claim 100 or 200 journals or sketchbooks. My race isn't to fill a quantity of pages. Even the rare times that I skip a page, I think I'll likely come back to it. My parameters and reality they are different than yours. And I want to be able to just be okay with what I'm doing and why, and not always feel like I should be doing more or should be doing it with better tools or newer tools or flashier tools. I don't have any bling. I don't want to feel like I have to be finding the right popular lyrics and songs to put to something. In shifting to this large book, I'm only filling two pages a week, one two-page spread. And in my old book, it was typically four pages a week, two spreads, sometimes six. I was drawing more though, more extra last year too. There were a few people who were drawing with me on the weekends. And, you know, I didn't know at the time that was a pandemic thing. People needed to do things with other people then. That was a different time. And I was drawing more than I am now. So I was filling more pages. But in this bigger book, I'm not going to fill space as quickly or in the same way. And I don't want to. The challenge for me isn't to just fill it up as fast as I can. Might take a whole year to do this book. I'm going to be able to claim one little book while everyone else has dozens and dozens of things, right? And I've had to think about that a lot. 
And that is one of those Joneses moments. When I was working in smaller books, I might have used more pages. In truth, I don't want to rush to fill this journal. I don't have a monthly journal budget even. I'm okay with two pages a week. I'm okay. It's a good value if this lasts me a year. It's okay. Slow and steady. But it's hard to realize and to accept so much of the time that to prove our credibility, we sometimes get caught up in the 30 or 50 or 100. Or in the, I don't use pencil, or I do use pencil, or I draw upside down, or all these things that give us a way to say, oh, well, we do it this way. There are so many ways. At the same time, there are no new wheels. But I think we just have to be so careful to do what we love and also accept that other people love differently. Other people make art differently. If we look around and everyone's exactly like us, that would be such a very different, different kind of world. My 50 days of recording might take less space than yours, but we both lived 50 days. Who cares how many pages that took? My weekly self-portraits only total 52 or 53 a year. Not multiples of 30, and that's okay too. I love seeing other people who do daily or monthly or even yearly portrait projects or self-portrait projects. Do your numbers for you and be proud of your numbers, yes. But don't get so caught up in comparing your numbers to someone else. Because as soon as you start doing that, then there's always this sense of reaching for more, this sense of competition, this race. Really, who are the Joneses? A few random notes. Finish this up with just a few notes. First, I read a fantastic graphic novel last month about Monet. And I read it on Hoopla, which means I was able to check it out through my library as an ebook. And it was a bit hard on the small screen on my phone. It's really dense, really packed. I got eye issues anyway with doing this kind of thing on my phone. But it was eye-opening and it was wonderful. It's really long. It's a really quite a long read of her graphic novel. And I would caution that adults might want to look at it first. Everyone has her own threshold for that. But I really, really enjoyed it. I loved the art history of it, a story probably that I didn't really know and definitely didn't know in this way. The artist did a beautiful job rendering the story in a particular style but also incorporating lots and lots of pages and panels that evoke Monet's style. And you hit those pages and you just know, and it's just so wonderfully done. It was gorgeous. It was fantastic. I will put the title of it in the show notes. One of the prompts last week for Illustrate Your Week was a quote about color, a quote with a color in it. And that proved to be more difficult than I expected. I didn't really think about the fact that that could be as hard as it sort of was, but I ended up finding several. And as I did that, I found several books that I now really want to read. I discovered those by searching for quotes about specific colors. And so I want to read three of those quotes right now because I thought they were really cool. They were different. And, you know, I just like language. Quote, I have no idea how he knows when I need him. We can go weeks without speaking. And then when my blue moods threaten to turn black, he will show up and tell me my moods are azure, indigo, cerulean, cobalt, periwinkle. 
and suddenly the blue will not seem so dark, more like the color of a noon bright sky. He brings the sun. And that is from David Leviathan, The Realm of Possibility. I don't know anything about that work. I definitely am going to check it out, see what it is. But I thought it was a beautiful, beautiful excerpt. And then this one, really cool. And I only managed to transcribe part of this one in the space I had in my journal. But this is the one I used. Quote, life is like a box of crayons. Most people are the eight color boxes. But what you're really looking for are the 64 color boxes with the sharpeners on the back. I fancy myself to be a 64 color box, though I've got a few missing. It's okay, though, because I've got some more vibrant colors like periwinkle at my disposal. I have a bit of a problem, though, in that I can only meet the eight color boxes. Does anyone else have that problem? I mean, there are so many different colors of life, of feeling, of articulation. So when I meet someone who's an eight color type, I'm like, hey, girl, magenta. And she's like, oh, you mean purple. And she goes off on her purple thing. And I'm like, no, I want magenta. End quote. I don't know. I really, I liked it. And that is from John Mayer. And then this last one, it is a joke. And I'm really careful in what I say and how I say. So if you want to see the actual joke, so I don't really want to, you know, a lot of times jokes have some group at the butt of the joke. So I don't want to do that. So I'm going to leave out part of the joke. And if you want to go look it up, it's from Jeff Foxworthy. But I'm just going to say, this is sort of the part that I think is just, it's funny. It's a funny play on words. So have you ever caught yourself staring at a can of orange juice because it's a concentrate? Yeah, there you go. I am the art. The art is me. I liked it so much that I've told my mother now twice. <laughs> she told me the other day, she's like, you told me that already. So I think it's funny. It made me laugh. It made me smile. And I started tracking smiles recently and realized, oh boy, if I need to track anything, it might be, did I smile today? So doing that. So thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in today to the Creativity Matters podcast. They come out with less frequency than they should or than I would like or than I even quite understand. And yet I'm just going right now with what happens. So I would like to be here more. And yet some days I realize that if it just ended, I don't know that it would be noticed. It would just quietly go away. So that's not a great place to find yourself after all these years. We can count them up, right? Ease a number. No, it's not the greatest feeling. So I appreciate those of you who listened to the show. I appreciate those of you who are part of this community in any way and in any space. As always, I'm Amy. You can reach me at creativitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. The show notes are available on the creativitymatterspodcast.com website. The music I play is courtesy of Nikolai Heidlis. You can find me at Instagram as oamyoamy, and I post the Illustrate Your Week prompts at Creativity Matters Podcast at Instagram. And I am continuing to do that. It is something I really care about. And so I am posting those each week, even if I'm the only one that uses them, and that is really okay. But there are other people who are looking at them. So those are there. They morphed into weekly with the start of 2021. And 
I think that has worked out and I think I will be continuing it that way. I still am considering doing a workshop type thing or a month long group focus thing in the future. So right now I am still posting the prompts and I do continue, plan to continue that. Thank you to those of you who support the CMP in any way. Thank you to those of you who use Kofi or who support the show at Patreon, patreon.com slash creativity matters. Thank you to those of you who send small gifts of ink or something from the wish list, new things to try, new colors to share, new experiences and new stories to weave. I appreciate that in ways that you cannot imagine. Along with the seasons, I'm going to shift into red in my journal and out of purples for a little while. Although I have really found a deep, deep, deep connection with some of these purples. So that is it for today. Until next time, remember that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. And don't forget to breathe. Have a good week, everyone.